This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to our extra special episode of the Half Measures podcast. I am joined once again by my friend and co-host Paul Kanawa. Paul, how are you today? Kia ora Dan, I'm good, thank you very much. I'm always excited when we do something a little bit different to the norm. I feel like I'm, I'm, on, I'm almost on edge because I'm like, I don't know my rhythm, I don't know how it's going to go, it's exciting. It is a classic half measure. So today, team, we are going to do something a little bit different. Well, not that different, but we're actually going to do a bit of a, rather than our normal episode format, we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into a couple of movies. And those movies are Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Are you hyped, Paul? I'm, I'm so hyped. This, this, this whole genre, this whole series is just something I just absolutely love. So... I'm I'm really excited to get in. It's it's probably worth setting the scene of the of the chronology of the alien movie universe, I guess, um, for anyone who needs a bit of a refresher. Um, so in 1979, we had Ridley Scott introduce us to the year 2122, where this innocent-looking space vessel was traveling through space, receives a distress call, and before we know it, one of the crew is being attacked, and we have this alien series born. And then that movie's followed up, right? So we got our three sequels. We got Aliens in 86 by James Cameron, Alien 3, 92, David Fincher, and then Alien Resurrection in 97 by Jean-Pierre Jeunet. And then over a decade, there was like this constant speculation of this fifth movie, which even though we got those two, um, those spin-off, the Alien Predator movies, it never actually happened. And then all of a sudden in 2012, Ridley Scott is back uh, with the movie Prometheus, which is set before the first Alien movie, and then five years later we get Covenant, um, which is a, f- a few years after Prometheus, but but still before that first Alien movie. And so yeah, so focusing on these two prequel movies uh, as we move our way through the anthology, and then I guess I'm also keen, as I, I'm sure you are, Dan, to talk about what hopes we might have for a third potential prequel as well. That all sounds uh, wonderful, Paul. These movies obviously have a a pretty big um, fan following, don't they? They're not everyone's cup of tea, but I feel like there's, there's real purists out there who absolutely love these um, for the sci-fi, for the horror, for the suspense. And I think what's going to be interesting is I actually think like Prometheus and Covenant are, they're actually quite, in my mind, deep thought pieces mm-hmm. and I'm really looking forward to having a bit of a, a chat with you about, about both of them but obviously we'll start with Prometheus I'm a big thinker Dan you know that I'm gonna I always like to dive deep I'm never surface level right <clears throat> we'll see never never we'll, we'll see it's funny what you said about you know big sci-fi following because of course you know we've just watched these two movies I spent about two hours last night just looking at uh Wayland Utani t-shirts and all kinds of just like what what can I get? I need something now. I, I feel like I, I need to I need something. So there's some, there's a couple of things coming in the post. 
Oh, that's amazing. Um, I, I, it's funny because when we talked about sort of doing a, a bit of a special review of these two movies, I was like, oh, am I ready to rewatch these? And I actually text you just after I finished the first one. And it just reminded me how much I loved Prometheus. And I guess <laughs> that's the end of the podcast. I loved it. Um, it's such a amazing movie. And, do you want to sort of, before we sort of start jumping into sort of thoughts and feelings about it, do you want to sort of talk a little bit about the the context of it and and what the focus is? Yeah, and and look, I guess before we start, as always, if you haven't seen the movies we're about to talk to, strongly recommend you press pause, go watch it, because obviously massive spoilers as we do this deep dive. And if, if you haven't watched it, furthermore, please do get in contact because I need to know what's wrong with you. So let's let's jump into Prometheus. So this is set... 30 years before the the events of Alien, so 30 years before we see Sigourney Weaver as, as Ellen Ripley, and we have two scientists, Elizabeth Shaw and Charlie Holloway, discovering this star map uh, that's um, of, of ancient Earth cultures, um, and they follow these clues, and along with this crew and an android uh, called David, they travel on the spaceship Prometheus and arrive at a planet called LV-233, hoping to discover the origins of humanity. And there they discover these ancient remains of an advanced civilization called engineers. And they soon discover that they're not alone. And we're so excited that they're not alone because that's what we're here for. We know what's coming in the in the movies that are subsequent to this. And the starting to this movie, Dan, I'm going to start right at the start. The starting scene in this movie, it is one of the most vivid beautiful sweeping views across this i don't know this icy mountain land landscape it, it even the font they use is absolute perfection it looks amazing on my television the music kicks in just at the right moment and that guy's drinking this black stuff that we have no idea what's going on and i'm completely hooked and it's an amazing start to a movie in fact if i sort of discount the star wars opening crawl this for me is the perfect start to any sort of sci-fi movie ever yeah, I think those scenes really remind me of somewhere uh, sort of deep in the South Island or mm. or somewhere like maybe Iceland or Norway or somewhere. It's just, you're right, it's such a, a beautiful sort of fjord-looking landscape with the just the, the flowing water and the waterfalls and the – and you're right, it, it really kind of like – it really sort of gets you thinking right from the start. It does. And if – if if you are a fan of the alien movies, you'll be familiar with how the sort of the alien, the the credit, how the title card comes up, how they sort of bring up line by line. They do the same thing here with Prometheus, um, and and I'm hooked right right away from that moment. It's um, it is pretty. It's just grand, and it just feels really. I don't know. It just sets the scene beautifully. And then before we know it, we're, we're cutting into space, and much like Alien, we're on this 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 vessel going slowly through the void of space and you you just know that it's going to be scary and that things aren't going to go to plan and that's you know you and i talk on the podcast a lot about horror and how it's not really my thing this is my ticket into the the horror genre it's served up exactly how i like it with this sci-fi this sci-fi element and um yeah and i guess as is common with most of the alien movies i think we we always have this you know, pretty diverse crew who then have to contend with these these sort of unforeseen 
situations that happen outside the ship, which of course leads to all of the anxiety and the the paranoia and whatever on the inside of the ship. And and it's 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 what's going on, on the inside of the ship, the the people freaking out that it, that I want from these these movies. And a lot of critics would say that's formulaic. We've seen it before, but I honestly wonder what they might do differently that's going to work better than this because that's how Prometheus sort of gets going because right from the start when you you know they're in these uh in these these subterranean tunnels on this planet you can tell that things are getting a bit iffy and it's uh it's pretty creepy down there yeah i think what's always interesting about these movies is um I guess as a viewer of the movie, we're in like a constant state of kind of hyper alertness. You, the pulse uh, pulse rate's high because we know the the fear of a facehugger or an alien or anything like that. Whereas obviously this is a, this is a scientific mission, right? And so they're when they're particularly they're they're going through these caves, they're going exploring, they're going looking. They don't really have any concerns, but as a, as a viewer, you're like ah. But the whole time. Yeah, exactly right. It's you're you're waiting for it to happen, and um, sometimes it's the innocence of the crew. You know, they just they just they're just there on a scientific mission. They, they think everything's going to be absolutely fine. Why would you expect these bad things to happen? Whereas you and I both know to never get on a spaceship for a scientific mission because we've seen too much of this. We know what's going to happen. We know we're going to have a face agar um, within the opening sort of twenty minutes. So uh, it's um. It is a really interesting start to this movie. Um, I'm going to put myself on the line here because maybe I've forgotten something from the uh, original Alien movies. But what I love was meeting Peter Yalen, uh, Peter Whalen, sorry, right from the start. I, I found that kind of quite interesting um, because we've always seen the logo in the Alien movies, and now we're actually meeting this guy. Is this the first time we meet him? Do you remember? I yeah no I'm I'm not as not in that deep so I don't. Okay. Don't think we've met him before. Yeah. No, and I I found his his character really quite interesting and sort of setting up for the the bigger questions. And I think um, I think that's what you know just jumping ahead makes this probably for me the the better of the of the two movies. In fact, really strong in amongst the six is just that there's this whole uh, sort of vision and just like a real that like we're gonna find our creators it's it's quite a you know it's 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 the holy grail type movie you know it's like we're, we're going out to, to find out where we came from and it, it because it starts off with that wonder and you know just jumping into characters quickly then uh, elizabeth shaw played by by numi rapace i feel like she at this point i'd only really seen her in the the dragon tattoo movies uh, i think but I feel like um, she plays this this scientist with a real. She really articulates that sort of wonder of discovery and and and, and science, and she's really convincing for me. She really makes me want to to go on this journey with her as well. And it's um, yeah, she's 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 standout in this. I think this is the thing with this whole movie is it's actually got such a star-studded cast, like so. Obviously, Naomi Rapace. We've got um, Logan uh, Marshall Green, who looks so much like um, Tom Hardy. Could almost be a, a yeah. brother or stunt double. Or Michael Fassbender. We've got Charlie Theron. We've got Idris Elba. We've got Guy Pearce. Like the list goes on. And and I actually, again, when I I, I don't think about how star-studded this cast is until I actually sat down and, re- and rewatched this movie recently. And I was like, wow, this is this is a this is a heavy hitter. And there's some big names in this. There are indeed, and uh, I think um, 
you know, Michael Fassbender, who you mentioned there as, as, as the Android or the synthetic David, he is quite brilliant. He, I mean, whether it's band of brothers and glorious bastards, X-Men or whatever, he, he is always brilliant, but his, his portrayal both in this movie and, and covenant is for me by far his, his peak performance. I feel like he really, I'm just going to go real broad here. When I think about all of these synthetics across the alien universe from the very first movie, he's the most convincing for me, which is a pretty big call because, you know, Bishop was legendary for me growing up, but as David, he's, we know that he doesn't have emotion, but he's always so sinister. And so, yeah, he's, he's probably the strongest of, of all the cast for me. And the one that really sort of, um, every time he's on screen, I can't wait to hear what he's going to say or do. I think you're right. Like it's for me, it's kind of an Oscar winning performance, right? Because it's, he's so cold and so emotionless and the delivery of all of his lines, you could almost be forgiven for forgetting that this is an actual actor and not a, not a synthetic sort of Android robot. And, I think that there's also some just some great lines of dialogue and some great, I guess, psychology behind a, a lot of the things, particularly um, with David's character. Like for example, when they when they're first going outside and everyone's putting on their spacesuits and their helmets, and um, Charlie says to David, "Why are you putting on a, a helmet? You're a synthetic." And he, basically, he's like, "I was made to look like humans. I was made to look like you." And you know, I need you to feel like, you know, for you to feel like I'm I'm one of you, I'm going to replicate the things that you do. And it's so great. Yeah, it's uh, – and when he says that, there's there's a look on his face that he's almost hurt by what Charlie has said to him. And yet at the same time, we know he can't be hurt. And that's what sort of gets your mind ticking in terms of what, what's he actually thinking on the inside. And uh, there's, a, there's a definite prejudice and dislike towards – David from from a number of the the crew, certainly in this this first movie, and um, there's another line of dialogue just talking about text um, that I really like, where where they they've they've got this sample of DNA um, of these um, these engineers that they find in this these subterranean tunnels, and Elizabeth is looking at it and she she lines it up next to human DNA and she realizes straight away that the people of this world are an exact match for humans. And she says, it's us. And as she says that, she then turns to David and says, what killed them? And at that precise moment, David cracks open that alien glass capsule full of this, this black stuff that contains the very thing that killed that race and is the catalyst for the whole alien movie franchise. Him, him cracking that open is basically where... The, these movies this is the genesis of it in, in some respects because that's where the that's where all the trouble's going to start with these alien creatures it's it's so deep and i i think that they've actually done such a, a wonderful job with this movie of actually you know taking a relatively simple concept of of alien and actually giving it such a, a a deep lore and deep sort of backstory and in a way that you know, they didn't have to do this, but by doing it, it actually has made the the originals even stronger, in my view. That's right. I mean, I I come out of these movies 
firstly already looking forward to the next viewing of it which is crazy when you think we've just watched it and i think that's a sign of a great movie because that's the type of movie that sort of you know that you often talk about defines you which you'll recall was exactly what we what we did when we did a podcast early 2020 when we had those 10 movies to define us and prometheus was was one of them and it does it really sets the scene for the whole alien universe it it does go back quite far it goes really deep and it's so much richer for that and it was kind of like i remember when the movie was first announced and there was ridley scott attached and people were like is this attached to alien or is it not and of course they this is the only movie out of the six that doesn't have the word alien in the title and so literally until you sort of I can't remember if it was when you saw the trailer or if it was just the first viewing. I can't remember now, but um, you weren't sure. And then, of course, for me, I think I think it's the moment you see even just the credits loading up and the the, the title card. You know, it's the Alien Universe. But um, yeah, it's I, I really appreciate the fact that they went back this far, and I also sort of appreciate that we didn't. And you know, I don't want to get it too geeky on this on the on the what are the, i don't even know how to pronounce these alien creatures xenomorph is that how you say it we don't really get anything that closely resembles what we're familiar with in the original movies until literally the last sort of 10 seconds of the movie if, if memory serves it's, that's kind of the the sort of the setup so it's kind of like um yeah you sort of a lot of people may have been coming for that moment and if you are you you could ultimately end up a bit disappointed but um just a note then on the the writers of these movies. So we've got John Spates. He's also written Doctor Strange and the sci-fi movie Passengers, two movies that I think are, are both solid. And of course, Damon, Damon Lindelof, who's written Lost, Star Trek Into Darkness, World War Z, and, and the Watchmen TV series that we both enjoy too. To be honest, it's kind of, it's no wonder that we both like the story given the, the content there. And, you know, these these Lindelof haters, there are a lot of them out there. You know, I, I would love to hear from you in the mailbag next week because for me, th- this guy, when he writes something, he always surprises me. He always makes me think when I'm watching something and he always leaves me wanting uh, a rewatch. And that's a perfect way to come out of a movie, I think. Yeah, look, completely agree. And I think the other thing, um, there's so many things in what you've just said, I think, you're right about um, Damien. Like he's done so much, so much great work, and he always does. I think like to push the envelope and push it further. And I think I love a movie where you walk away thinking about it, talking about it, wondering, answer some questions, leave some to the imagination. And I think this is the interesting thing about Prometheus is. If I'm going to be completely honest, the first time I watched this movie, I wasn't really sure like i i really enjoyed the original aliens movies i wasn't sure what i was sort of coming into watching this one and the first time i watched it i had a great time but i actually had no idea what was like what what's going on in this movie i was actually quite confused by uh the story and um the engineers and the the concept of introducing like you know what was sort of the origin story of these aliens and i actually had to go away afterwards and i actually had to watch a ending explained youtube video and then as soon as it was like a half an hour video and as soon as i watched that video all the pieces just kind of fell into place for me and my mind was completely blown and it turned it into a a an, a good movie to an epic movie and i actually think this is sort of the the beauty of these sorts of movies is that you can actually dissect them for years and for hours and you know all the sort of the the deeper meaning about creation and um 
just the whole idea that they're sort of engineers are creating sort of additional life forms and they're kind of like resetting planets and they're introducing um, the you know something to sort of wipe out the planet if they want to sort of restart and do it all over again. It, it's it's truly epic, and I don't. I think if they'd sort of made it. Um, that black and white. I don't think it would have been a good movie, but I think because they've kind of like, and when I rewatch it now, it all, it all makes sense, but I obviously just wasn't thinking about it in the right way. And now that I sort of have all those sort of core pieces, it it's, it really is a top tier movie. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's the, It does, I don't come out of it even now from a recent rewatch, knowing exactly what's happened. Like there's still, and this is, this is why, because I'm I'm curious as to why there are not so much the audience, but certainly the critics really slate this one, and they all dive into the writing, the story, and the unanswered questions. And I I always use the analogy of um, uh, the Phantom Menace. <laughs> now, go with me on this, but we've got we've got this we've got the Force in Star Wars, and for years. I think, you know, based on the original trilogy, we just know what that means based on these two very sort of broad definitions from Obi-Wan and from Yoda for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden, Qui-Gon Jinn comes along in The Phantom Menace and starts talking about metachlorians and about the count. And it becomes very measurable and scientific. And I'm not I'm not a hater of the prequels, and that's a different conversation, as you well know, Dan. But for me, I sort of thought, I don't know if I needed that. And I, there's... There's things in this alien universe and in, in Prometheus in particular where questions are left unanswered. And I think leave them that way. Just I, I don't think we need to know absolutely everything. So this this opening scene where this ship turns up um, and just sort of hovers as that that um, engineer type looking fellow stands there. We don't know why that's there or what's going on. We don't know where he's got this black liquid. We don't know what's compelled him to, you know, there's, there's things that are unanswered and there are a lot of other things that are unanswered towards the end of the movie as well. And I, I don't know. I'm, am I happy in the space of ambiguity? I don't know. Maybe other people aren't, but for me, I, I find that that adds to the richness and it leaves me wanting to come back more because as you, as I talk about a lot, when we rewatch movies, often you'll notice things that you didn't notice the last time. And you sort of, you piece it together bit by bit with each, each sort of subsequent watch. I think this is the thing. Whenever, you take a loved franchise and you try to expand on it, right? Like you are never gonna you're never gonna please anyone. And I think you're right to actually call out the Star Wars movies because, you know, for every person that loves either the prequels or the originals or uh, the new trilogy, like there's always a counter argument for why one is one is better or one is worse. And I think, you know, from a pure um, probably like popcorn eating factor. People probably expected to come into this movie, get maybe a bit of a um, an origin story to to Ripley's character, yep. see the same sort of um, fear and anxiety inducing scenes of people kind of being picked off from around the, a ship. And this, this isn't this is not that movie. This movie is literally taking us back to why do aliens exist? What is the role? Um, that humanity plays in this what is the role that the engineers um, have in, in, in creating us and how does it kind of get to this pretty dark space and I think that that's a way more interesting story like there's plenty of movies out there 
that kind of fill that other sort of popcorn void. There's not many movies that take that simple concept and go super deep on it and give you a whole bunch of really um, cool stuff to kind of actually nerd out over and kind of like really get stuck into the, you know, even like when you, when we talked at the start of this podcast, like I've never noticed actually before, or I probably just don't remember the Wayland uh, branding and stuff from the original Alien movies. Like it's, but I would imagine to rewatch them now, then that's going to be really obvious to me. And I just love those little those little threads, and I think that's yeah, that's great. It's a really diverse universe. This this alien universe and the elements that this these prequels, particularly Prometheus, I guess, touch on, as you've just said, is really satisfying for me. And all the things you've just said that you articulated really, really well. It's kind of just even when they when they're walking past those canisters and you know what's inside them is not good and so you're watching it just screaming don't go near it don't hover your face over the top of it and look don't don't go but at the same time you're here for that exact reason you you, you actually want them to do that you, you do want them to do that and it's the it's just those moments that are uh, quite subtly done in this movie um and it just it just looks really really beautiful on screen and i know that technology and special effects and all the rest of it will continue to evolve but i feel like this movie will will never age much much the same as how i feel that about movies like like alien like 2001 space odyssey i just feel like they got it spot on and this movie just looks and feels right as it is and and as you touched on before and i guess maybe we could go back um the cast um you know, they just, they really deliver on their parts as well. So um, the other people that we haven't talked about, um, Idris Elba's character of um, Yannick, the ship's pilot. He's great. I uh, I love his attitude. You know, he's, he's got that, what do you call that musical instrument that he's, you know, that he's using? I don't know, one of those, people can't see me moving my arms. I don't know what it is, but he's singing. Um, um and he's got a complete disregard for authority. And uh, he, he, I love a character like that thrown into the mix. Someone who, by all rights, probably shouldn't be in that position, but has somehow made it. He was he was great. And um, Guy Pierce as Wayland. I I knew this guy as as Mike Young from Neighbours back in the day, and then he came to Memento. But for me now, he is just he's always Peter Wayland. What about you? Um, I. So my probably definite favourites would, you know, we've already talked about them, would be David and Elizabeth Shaw. Um, and I think one thing that's really epic about these movies, and I think if we use the characters Elizabeth and Charlie as kind of the, the core scientists on this mission, I think if you sign yourself up to be a scientist going off-world, exploring, like, you know, in this case, they're, they're truly looking for sort of the, the origins of um, humanity and, and life, Um and, you know, there's that scene when Charlie gets infected and he kind of gets the, the gross um, space slug in his eye and, you know, eventually gets infected. And when he gets infected and he's coming back to the ship and, you know, Charlie's thrown characters like he's not coming on the ship and they have to burn him and he's like, yep, do it. And Elizabeth's like, no. And it's kind of just like the, I think when you sign up to be a scientist, you have to be like, actually there's some stuff that might happen and I'm literally putting my life on the line and even just knowing from a, a science or medical position that 
how you've got infected shouldn't be allowed to continue. Burn me with fire. And I think it's it's so, so crazy. Um, the other scene that really kind of like, I guess, stands out for me with um, Elizabeth Shaw's character is when she gets um, infected herself and she goes into the um, the machine and get, basically gets a cut out of her stomach and there's like blood everywhere and then it gets stapled and then she like, you know, basically hops out of the machine and she's able to sort of walk around and, you know, still continue fighting for her life. Again, this is sort of that top tier alien tension, that fight for survival, the fear of kind of what's going on. It's it's amazing. That's great. Just quickly before I forget, concertina is the name of the instrument that Idris Elba's character is playing because that was bugging me. Um, so you touched on Meredith Vickers there, um, played by Shelley Saron. She she is great. She's so ruthless. She does not care about anyone. I feel like in a strange way, I get a bit like that with, with sort of um, with germs or with food that's out of date. It's like that's if it's, if it's out of date, it's not coming in the house. It's like she takes it to the next level. If, if you're infected, you're not coming back on the ship. And she's just completely she she's in charge and she has zero interest in the bigger questions um and yeah that scene with uh numi rapace uh elizabeth when she's getting the the alien pulled out of her that's quite interesting because of course we're so used to having the the, the chest burster scenes where the alien makes its own way out and she's actually like preempting that so she's like no I'm, I'm taking you out before you have a chance to do anything else um that was that was yeah it's not easy to watch that scene but um there's a number of scenes like that where and i guess we'll touch on this with with covenant as well where um i feel this isn't a criticism of the original movies because of course they were made a long time ago but the 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 nature and the budget of special effects and all the rest of it really make these scenes absolutely just so realistic it's it's horrifying i think too in a way that they can they kind of get around that as well as that this is still not the the uh peak evolution of the xenomorphs like these these various like they're still evolving and obviously david goes on to you know eventually air quotes perfect the xenomorph mm. um and it's in its kind of final form but and so you know like the fact that they don't burst straight out of the stomach is like you could see it could but maybe it just hasn't quite got to that level where that's its um entry process into the world and I also love with these movies and I, I, I remember this strongly from the original Alien movie is those characters, those sort of side characters who are, you know, mercenary one, two, three and four, who you know, who they, they maybe get one line of dialogue or if they're lucky and then you know that they're going to be, become casualties really on. I guess the one um, the one character that kind of did a little bit of a, a twist for me in Prometheus um, was the character Firefield. Yeah, Sean Harris's character. Yeah, Sean Harris. Yeah, and because he really came across to me watching it as like your your kind of peak mercenary. Like you know, one of his lines is, you know, I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here here to talk to people. And he actually turns out to be a geologist. And I thought, oh, that's that's so wild. You literally, you know, have you're coming across like a like a disposable mercenary. Um, Still, ultimately, met the same fate, but. one of those, and this is the same with like a lot of like horrors, or you know, there's always kind of that initial scan of everyone like who's going to survive, mm. who's going to kind of make it halfway, and who's going to make it to the end of the movie. And you know, this this has a, a cast full of so many superstars that you kind of have, like you are left wondering for a lot of it. 
no, you're absolutely right on the subject of um, Fivefield. He is a fascinating character because when I first, when when we first meet him in the movie, and he's like, he doesn't want to even say hi to this guy who's trying to be just you know real friendly. I'm like, I don't like this guy at all. And then when he's down in the tunnels and he can tell that things are crazy, he's like, do you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going back to the ship. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's that's exactly what I would do at this point as well. And I'm like, I dislike myself because I'm like, what am I this character? Is this who I am? Uh, so yeah, he's he's really quite a, a good one. And what you said before about, you know, you start wondering, oh, I wonder who's going to make it out. You know, we're talking full spoilers here. By the end of the movie, we have, we have a, a severed head of David and elizabeth on on the ship and and so f- from everyone that's all we've got by the end of this movie which is is incredible really and that uh i guess that sort of sets us up into um into 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 covenant is there anything you want to touch on before we go into that one then um no i think i'd just say this this really is a great movie i think if you've watched it before and you didn't quite get it don't be don't be ashamed of going to watch a, a YouTube explainer video, which will do a, a great job of kind of giving you all the context. And I think once you've seen that, if you, this is if you didn't enjoy the movie, I think you'll probably could watch it again and get so much more out of it. So this is a this is a four guns akimbo movie for me, Paul. Oh, this is all the guns. I was I was just going to say if anyone hasn't already guessed, it's definitely all the guns also uh, another thing and i'll send this to you dan as well on digital spy there's a an alien timeline all the way from prometheus all the way through to alien resurrection and they just sort of play out the key events that lead into each movie and that that really helped me as well just tie things together as well and i think i I just want to touch on this because people sometimes say oh you shouldn't need uh, a, a document to make you understand the movie or you shouldn't need all these but for me it's it's just it all adds to it and i'm very much a, a fan of anything that i can go and read away this is why i love the star wars universe with all these extra novels you know i love anything that can just tie things in from the outside so definitely all the guns and dan uh, just to to bring back the what you said before when you messaged me the, the exact words you used were paul Prometheus is an underrated masterpiece and it truly is and I think that's probably the best way to sum up this movie as we go forward into into the second movie which is Alien Covenant so we've got the the word alien back in the title so this one it's 2104 so this is 11 years after the um the the Prometheus movie and, and what occurred on LV223 and so now we have the deep space vessel Covenant, which is on course for a remote planet, Aragai 6, um, with, with 2,000 colonists in cryogenic hibernation on board, ready to build this this new world. Um, but on the way, they get this rogue transmission that entices them to go to this, you know, nearly habitable planet, which resembles Earth. And the, the transmission is the John Denver song, Country Road, very, very sort of, um, you know, very crackly but they can just about make this the song out and they land on this planet and the crew discover what they think is this uncharted paradise um and it's inhabited solely by the synthetic david who is the sole survivor of the prometheus mission um however they soon realize that the planet is far more dangerous than they could ever have imagined and what started off as once again then a peaceful scientific exploratory mission to go colonize a planet turns into an absolutely terrifying, legitimately terrifying nightmare. 
Yeah, I think um, this one is an interesting movie, and I think, like, just to come right off right off the bat, I don't think this is as good as Prometheus. Mm. I think it's still in um, a good movie that I think starts to answer some of the additional questions that Prometheus poses. But I think the interesting thing about this movie is you can really see the almost kind of the the mix storytelling of we're trying to continue this deep law the lore law um and we're also trying to take on a bit of critic feedback around trying to keep it more alien-ish and i think they kind of end up merging those two genres together and overall it's still like it's still a great watch in the in the alien universe but i almost would have preferred a more prometheus type approach overall yeah look it's it's interesting you sort of come straight off the bat with that because i i feel like I, I would have dived into that eventually but you're absolutely right now that you say it. it's um it is a great movie it isn't it isn't as strong as prometheus and it's unusual because not unusual what's the word it's uh because it's so much more like an alien movie because we have aliens that are far more recognizable even though as you said before not quite the same as the movie uh, so the creatures from the original aliens um you kind of expect it okay so this is this is a real this is definitely alien there's no there's no ambiguity ab- about this um you know we've we've got the word in the title um you know i imagine actually there's casual observers out there who who've never seen prometheus who are big alien fans who don't even know it's part of the universe you know whereas this one you you know what you're getting and it, it is it is interesting because watching it back to back um there were things i definitely appreciated about that because you get this beautiful continuity but watching it back to back as well as you've just pointed out you do you come to realize straight away that it's it is a different vibe to prometheus i wonder if that was done deliberately because of the backlash they got and if fans like you and I have been sort of left, not disappointed, but just kind of like, ah, oh, I would have liked a bit more of the Prometheus vibe. Yeah, and I think and I, I think these comments are from watching it back to back as opposed to when they originally came out because, you know, I would have loved to have gone into a, a deep dive into David and Elizabeth um, sure, kind of on their adventures over the next 10 years and how they what, what kind of happens after after Prometheus but in saying that I still think we, we still get ultimately a, a fun watch and I think the the David slash Walter scenes are, are, are so good and seeing you know two synthetics sort of go against each other and you know even just the way that you know that David model versus the Walter model and the Walter model is kind of turned down to be not so human is really interesting right and i think what's different about covenant is when they arrive on this planet they're not just a couple of scientists they're literally looking to colonize the land Mm. and so they're they're looking for the what's the best possible chance for our 2000 plus people on our ship to actually set up build a city and live here and one thing that i find definitely a little bit more uh, spooky in this movie is when the first person gets infected on the planet and he gets the 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 black dust in his ear and that's that that was that's horrifying it's, it is it is really horrifying and it's a really uh beautiful scene if that's the right word about how they sort of follow that down the air canal um and and you and you just see then him just you know when you get like an itchy you just sort of scratch your ear you know, every time i scratch my ear i'm thinking have what's happened have i just been infected like this guy it's so freaky that i always think of that scene it's it's 
it reminds me, I don't know how much you recall of Wrath of Khan when you know Chekhov has that thing going into his ear. Whenever this thing's going into the ear, whether it's, you know, Khan or whether it's Covenant, it really freaks me out. And Ridley Scott really delivers that well in this movie. As as we talked about before, Ridley Scott is the consistent thing here that really drives this movie home in terms of again, like Prometheus, this movie just looks so crisp. It looks so vivid the cinematography of this movie is brilliant there are these fantastic space scenes which are really wonderfully drawn out at times and then when and then when we go down to ground level the scenery is is magnificent and of course we've got the backdrop of our own milford sound providing the the perfect setting here in new zealand that really showcases the beauty of that and it's kind of um it's interesting because it doesn't take me out of the movie at all i've often wondered that um, if people that live in LA or, or New York, if, if, if they're seeing movies constantly in their own backyard, if it takes them out of it, but uh, it, it didn't do that to me at all. If anything, I just really appreciated seeing it in the background. But uh, no, there's there's moments about this movie where um, the action is is a lot more intense than than Prometheus. It's a lot more action driven than Prometheus, and I guess that's the the big difference here. Yeah, and I think in, that that even comes down to. I think a couple of things. So even just looking at the cast list for this movie, uh, when you think about the first one, full of some real A-tier actors, um, and not to say that like I think the acting was still great in this movie, but it's a it's a far different looking cast. Like you've obviously still got uh, Michael Fassbender back. Um, you know, probably the big superstar out of this would be Danny McBride for me as Tennessee, our own uh, Kenny Powers. Um, and so it's kind of. I think, and that was kind of the hard shock for me from movie one to movie two is big celebrities to kind of largely, um, maybe actors that you kind of, you might have seen in other movies, but far less, less known. And it kind of sort of speaks to a, a bit of a different direction. But in saying that, you know, the, this is a slightly different premise, right? Like, you know, the first trip being scientific, this one being colonizing, this is a different ship, it's different people, but this, you know, the, these people are actually wearing the, the consequences of what happened in the first movie. And I think we're, I think the, the horror and action really ramps up, I think, is particularly when in the med bay, um, when, is it the soldier, and all that stuff starts bursting out of his spine and he's kind of trapped in that room. And it's, that, that again, is a, a truly epic, horrific um, space horror scene. Um, and then just the, the idea of, being trapped in there and like someone's telling asking for help and, and not knowing what to do and then you know even just the scenes in the uh i guess outside in the outside of the spaceship and there's all those um xenomorph type things i, I don't think there's xenomorphs yet yeah. what um are running around and it's kind of got that video game feel right like where there you know there's there's a lot of firepower and a lot of force but the the aliens are powerful creatures and they are just destroying everyone they, they really are powerful i mean it's terrifying how just how hard those alien skulls are because even that baby one is like easily able to to crack open the glass in the isolation unit and the crew were seemingly unable to do it with pickaxes and the anger and ferocity of the headbutting is in itself just absolutely terrifying because you yeah and then as you said the speed of which these things are moving around um, is also terrifying. And I guess that's another sort of comment around the, the special effects that allow us to see that 
for the first time because of course in the original movies we we had a different way of understanding the speed at which these things traveled which worked equally well if not better i don't know maybe we'll we'll talk about that when we get to those movies but um but yeah the the when you're sort of in a room watching one of these particularly the small ones just jumping around all over the place and you've got these what appear to be the the most destructive weapons of all time in your hand and you still can't put these things out of their misery it's uh it is absolutely terrifying yeah it's uh i think they're actually called uh neomorphs just looking at the list That's right. in, yeah. in this version yeah but it's a uh, look i think this this movie i think one of the the other bits i really enjoyed about it is actually the i guess the flashbacks for lack of a better mm. word when we're sort of getting a bit more context around um david and sort of talking about how elizabeth obviously helped put him back together and because he was still functioning as a head i guess um he would have been able to guide her through that process and when they went um they, they came to this planet and basically w- wiped out uh that the the race of kind of engineers uh, well i don't really know if i want to call them engineers, yeah okay they're, they're not yeah, they're, they're kind of not. The, the, they are different. They're, they're right. a version of the engineers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, but they're kind of on on the path to being that. And I think again, that for me had the real strong Prometheus link. Um, and I, I I wanted I was sort of hungry for more of those types of scenes. Oh, absolutely. And there are deleted scenes out there which. Um, and there's actually, in fact, they're, not, they're almost not deleted scenes. They're sort of they're sort of uh, included as bonus scenes. They're actually listed on IMDb as these scenes with, um, with with David, with Elizabeth, and and so yeah, I, I feel like my main criticism would be actually that those those scenes weren't included because they they include Elizabeth, and I think that because she was the only human survivor from Prometheus, it would have been really good to have a bit more of her before we find out that David you know simply used her for his his experiments essentially and um there was another moment of of course in flashback which i really enjoyed at the start of the movie where we have guy pierce again as a younger peter whalen um talking to david and it becomes you know pretty obvious that he's like he's disappointed with him and again as we as i talked about before even though he's a synthetic you can see that that bothers david and as we come to learn later with with walter in this movie the david model seems to be made a little too human um, and that you know that proves to be the reason why why things go safe because he's he's quite sinister um throughout this 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 movie and um uh particularly at the end um when we have the old the old switcheroo between david and walter and that would be my second main criticism of this movie is that the twists are a little bit transparent so you know we've we've got david and walter and walter's the good guy David's the bad guy. Walter's lost his hand, and then they're having this big fight, and suddenly Walter seems to have uh, won the battle and comes out with his hand severed. And even from that moment, even in the first viewing, and I'm not the fastest, quickest person in the world, as you know, I sort of um, often get surprised by many things. I knew that it was, I knew that it was David, and but that said, when he delivers the final line to Daniels uh, at the end. Um, and sort of just goes, you know, puts his, his his finger to his lips, like, shh, and wishes her well. It, he's terrifying, and that more than anything else means I can't wait for the next movie. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Michael Fassbender is is the complete star of both of these movies. Uh, I don't, 
I can't even imagine what you have to kind of do to get yourself ready to act in that way. It just seems like such a, I, I can't even think of the right word. Like there's such a, a disconnect from, I think being like playing an Android and being a human and just like keeping those, um, like how many takes would you have to do to kind of get those emotions down, get the tone of your voice neutral at all times, even when every other character might be freaking out around you, there's blood everywhere, there's aliens running around, you're just this pure neutral voice throughout the whole thing. And I think it's 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 epic. It is. I could, I could watch a spinoff movie all about David, just like, because he's obviously on board the ship for years. He's on the planet for years. I, I could just watch what he's up to because he's, he's quite a fascinating, fascinating character. Um, I think, so the, um, the thing, probably my critique of this movie, and again, it's because I've come straight from Prometheus straight into this, is I actually didn't connect with any of the main characters as much. When I think about Elizabeth, like I really connected with her straight away as a scientist. And whereas Daniels, as a, as a main character, was fine, but I just didn't feel myself having any real emotional connection to wanting her to sort of carry on it just it didn't give me the um the fight that i was looking for yeah daniels is an interesting character i i remember reading you know a lot of talk when so just to go back to prometheus i remember a lot of talk when that was announced that numi rapace's character oh she's going to be the ripley of this series and of course I think because perhaps she'd done those dragon tattoo movies, she sort of um, proved herself to be a very strong female lead who could, you know, more than hold her own in, in those movies. But her character didn't turn out to be that similar to Ripley at all, as we talked about. Whereas Daniels, for me, has got a definitive Ripley vibe about her. I think what's a bit of a distraction for me with those characters within this movie is because they're sort of mourning the death of other people that we haven't come to know or have any empathy when well, no, we, we don't know these people so we're not so bothered by their their passing and so um it sort of becomes hard we're sort of jumping in and not fully understanding what these people are going through and that almost distracts away from uh the character of daniels because uh, Catherine waterston who plays her does a a really really good job and by the looks of it, she she's going to be around for the next movie. So um, so it'll be interesting to see what direction that might go. But yeah, within the context of this movie, you're absolutely right. There's there's uh, there's less characters to bond to, and you're absolutely right about Danny McBride uh, as the character of Tennessee because you and I are big, you know, East Bend and Down fans. He's always been Kenny Powers, but he is surprisingly good in this movie. He's not the comic relief I was expecting, and I was almost worried about him being in the movie in that respect. I think you're right. Like I think he did a, a great job as a more serious character. Though there is a side of me that cannot hear any any direction or word he says. It's, it's got such a Kenny Powers kind of edge to it to me. I, I, even when he was just giving some simple instructions um, on the spaceship, I was like waiting for a, a Kenny Powers uh, joke in there. But I thought he was great. Yeah, no, it it is a dangerous uh, dangerous one when you cast someone who's so clinically uh, attached to, to comedy of such a definitive nature it's uh, it's kind of like in the mandalorian when they cast the guy who does the voice of um the main character from f is for family you know frank it's kind of i hear that voice every time and it does drag you out just every now and then um i feel like anyone who might watch this movie stand alone 
may not get a, as much appreciation out of it uh, because I feel like watching it back to back with Prometheus, you get you get uh, to understand the significance of some of those things. And I also feel like watching this movie, I need another chapter um, to follow it instantly. It's kind of the Empire Strikes Back in that respect. As, as the ship sort of sails off, I need I need to find out what happens next. How this sort of tr- this trilogy, as it were, comes to an end. Well, should we talk about that now, Paul? The what what is next? Yeah, I think so because um, for me, when I think about what I'm what I'm looking for. I, I remember walking out of the cinema from Prometheus and thinking, I can't wait to see a sequel. And it was exactly the same with Covenant in 2017. I was like, I can't wait. And and it felt like it was always going to happen. So let's address that issue because there is this whole question, will it happen? Because now we live in a world where Disney own all the rights, so things may change. But let's assume for the purposes of our conversation that this third movie is going to happen. And it is on Ridley Scott's IMDb page as a pre-production. So I'm assuming I'm getting a third one. If not, then, as you know, I'll be getting in my car and visiting people at Disney to, and I'll cancel my subscription and that'll teach them. Um, I, f- I feel like um, I would love, I would love a really clean linking piece. I would love somehow the third movie ending. So this third prequel that we're getting, I would love the ending of that and the start to the original 1979 alien to be as close as for example the rogue one ending and a new hope beginning i would love a real that would make it a real singular movie series if if they were able to achieve that i don't know if we would get that but i would like something that just really links it nice and clearly um that would be one of my main hopes just to really bring it home what about you yeah i couldn't agree more i i've seen the sort of I think due to the the mixed reaction to all of these movies, um, and I think there's a I think there's a bit more of a cult following now that time has passed and people have kind of un- understood these movies a little bit more. That I I hope they do come and finish the trilogy, um, and, and presuming like you that that's going to happen, I think that that would be the best. And I think Rogue One's actually a really nice way to think about it. Like I want to end with some type of R- Ripley. Um, crossover or linkage and I think it would also be interesting I think to see obviously David's going on to eventually create the the queen and create sort of the the perfect xenomorph Mm. and some of his experiments in that space are no doubt going to be interesting even to see what happens to David and you know because to date you know David's obviously isn't uh isn't really impacted by the xenomorphs or the aliens or, you know, occasionally he's kind of collateral damage and will get his head ripped off or mm. get um, beaten up. But the aliens aren't trying to, because he's not a, a, a life form, I guess, mm. they're not trying to trying to kill him or, or wipe him out. So it would be interesting to kind of see where where does his journey come to an end on this? Yeah. what Because obviously he, he's trying to create – this perfect sort of um, evolution of of this being. So I think there's a lot of story in there to tell. There definitely is. It's interesting how they know. It's like the zombies in The Walking Dead. They know if you're not alive and they, they know to leave you alone. These things know to leave David alone because he's not an organic sort of being. It's, it's, it's interesting. And uh, the other thing that's interesting is 
you know, we've come out of these two movies, and by the end of the two movies, we've got no one from Prometheus survived other than David, the android. And we've also got none of the crew of the Covenant, with the exception of Daniels and Kenny Powers, who are both now been put to sleep um and so just to quickly backtrack i don't know why elizabeth wasn't a continuing character through this whole prequel trilogy whether it was a plot decision or numi rapace didn't want to or or what but i feel like i really want daniels now to be the main protagonist of this third movie because i feel like we do have a connection with her character we've seen her survive a pretty good a pretty awesome scene at the end right of covenant when they sort of get rid of that final alien on the ship with the um the big mechanical um thing that that was that was pretty good and i've i've read that catherine waterston is keen to return at least but um yeah i think i think having something that really ties them together like you talked about ripley i would love to even have like maybe a cgi ash so that first synthetic from the alien movie um have something really subtle there something that um even a prototype ash or something that's a touch point um, something that sort of whets the appetite. So there's a maybe there's a, a mention of the the Nostromo crew uh, ship. Sorry, you know that that ship from the first movie. Something that does that. Um, I've read on the IMDb trivia page. It says here, Alien Covenant can't be the lead into Alien and then Aliens because in both the ship that was used by the creators um, on LV. 426 given that david genetically perfected the creatures with the eggs that means there's at least one more film and, and i think that's sort of touching on what you've said around this the, the idea of perfecting it and maybe bringing the the queen in and so this this third prequel should end with one of the creator ships full of eggs i second that motion i commend it to the house and um that that would be the way to bring this together i wonder too you could even and this might be uh a bridge too far but imagine if david actually somehow was like uploaded into bishop's spot like bishop's you know like you know like all sorts of crazy stuff like that to sort of the continuation of that character and um would be like there's, there's so many interesting twists and i think even i think on the third movie you could actually um retcon a little bit of what happened in, in Covenant and you could actually have some more flashbacks with mm-hmm. Elizabeth or we could actually even find out that Elizabeth is actually still alive. There was just another um, David, uh, I, I don't know, like in synthetics lie or, you know, just, you know, like maybe she actually survived in a, in a different way and actually, you know, the bringing together of these car- of her and Daniels maybe. Uh, there's so many options. There really is. Um, just quickly on the subject of the the synthetics you know talking about bishop again and and ash and you know it's it's always been interesting how they've had these these synthetics and they've always seemingly named them in alphabetical order we had ash then we had bishop then we had cal then we had david and then it all went sort of scoob when we had walter and i also read ridley scott explaining that it was actually named after walter hill and david guyler who have produced every single alien movie including those alien versus predator movies and so that's where the name walter comes from but then other people have speculated oh you know now we've got walter with a w do we now have x y and z um uh, synthetics in this third prequel that lead us into ash um so yeah i would be fascinated just to to have a little bit more around that something don't forget then we've also got this um this alien TV show that um, has been announced uh, on FX with um, the guy Noah Hawley, who's done you know Fargo and Legion. He's 
he's bringing us a TV series. So is that going to affect what happens with a prequel, whether we get a prequel or not? I, I really don't know, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I think the... I guess a couple of things from this is this has definitely made me think that we should be watching Aliens 1, 2, and 3 um, and doing a, a probably a special episode on that as well. And a question for you, Paul, and I've, I've never seen these. Should I be watching the Alien versus Predator movies? Do you know what? I wonder if this question was going to come up and I wasn't going to bring it up myself because I have seen these movies and they are ultimately... Uh, I don't want to say disappointing. They're not up to the mark of these six movies. If I if I look at the six core Alien movies, the Alien vs Predator, and to that standard, they I couldn't help myself. I've bought them both on Blu-ray. I've I've watched them a couple of times because I just love this universe. But uh, I'm definitely on board with you. I think you know watching watching all four of those original movies and doing a podcast on those that would be fantastic whether we do the other the other two i don't know maybe we'll come out of that those four movies and we, we, we won't be able to help ourselves but if we do that do we watch the predator movie as well i mean where do where does it end i i don't know but um no i'm definitely definitely interested in doing another special sometime in the future because we are want to do these special episodes every now and then so um that would be that'd be fantastic i just i just really hope because ridley scott you know, 83 years old. He is the heartbeat for me of these movies. And yes, we have James Cameron did a great job with the, with aliens, but there's something about when Ridley Scott's attached that makes me feel confident that it's going to, going to deliver what I want. So I just really hope they can do that. Completely agree. And I think Ridley Scott is clearly passionate about these movies. Mm -hmm. He's passionate about sort of telling these, this origin story, and it would be great for him to, finish off the trilogy and i feel like if we can get gofundmes for battlefield elita and all those sorts of things then then surely there must be something out there for the third movie which i i think are they referring to as awakening if it does happen if it, i'm not too sure yeah it was it was it was that was definitely the title that was knocking around sort of 2018 2019 time just sort of like a prior to the the disney acquisition so um i would i would love to see that happen and um I hope they get the same guy to do the music as well, because another thing that I really appreciated was how they sort of weaved in the theme of Jerry Goldsmith's classic original theme from Alien, just every now and then, just really, really subtly. And also in Covenant, whenever the Prometheus moments came out, they they, they brought in the Prometheus theme as well. And I feel like just as when we think about the Skywalker saga and we've got John Williams the whole way through, part of that is just that consistency of theme. I would love to see them have uh, that that same uh, composer Jed Jed Kurz will bring in the uh, the music again. Definitely, I think, and just probably my my final thoughts on um, I guess more Prometheus than probably Covenant would be. What I really love the most about it is the the you know the engineers and there's that big the big stone heads of them, mm. and it makes me think of those uh, stone heads in the Easter Islands. And it I I think there's you know the whole premise of this movie is. The engineers created the humans. The humans evolved too fast. They they tried to kind of like, you know, reset them, refocus them. Didn't work. And the, I, I love all those undertones of um, religion and history and um, 
what it means for society. And I think particularly then when you overlay the whole lens of, you know, the pandemic that the whole world's just been through, there's there's so much here to kind of think about. And I'm not saying that, you know, we're about to get wiped out by aliens, but I just love the <laughs> I love the the linkages and the and just the kind of thought pieces around all of this stuff. I think it's it's really fascinating. I entirely agree. And I really hope, just to change tax, I really hope that that's perhaps the angle that this TV series uh, takes rather than giving us a, an action series. I hope we get the the thought pieces. And, you know, Noah Hawley is a great writer, as you and I both love a lot of his work. I, I feel like that there's, is there a chance that we could get a little bit of that? Because, cause, you know, when we think about the aliens themselves and we think about, you know, the ability to, to bring a deep peace into it, it does become a little bit difficult when you've got the xenomorph because it is just a vicious thing. But when you go back further and go into the origins, that's where you've got a little bit more sort of room to sort of move a, a bigger story piece into it. And uh, I think that would be, would be great. But yeah, I've look, I've really enjoyed rewatching these two movies. This, this whole universe fascinates me, as I said, and, uh, I, I feel I can't wait for when we we make the decision to to jump into these these next four and uh, and continue this journey because it's been great. Yeah, so that brings us probably to the end of this special edition um, of the the Half Measures podcast. But I'm with you, Paul. Such a great watch. I love doing these um, different podcasts, which sort of like focuses in on some specific movies. Um, so this this episode of the Half Measures podcast has been uh, brought to you by our Patreon producers of the show, Trisha Brady and Samara King. If you would like to become a patron of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next time, everyone, adios.